This is the morning brief from the Economic Times. Is he a young trailblazing banker turned corporate suit turned fintech entrepreneur who wears his take no prisoners persona on his sleeves? Main bolta kam. Mere ko ye lagta hai ki aapki words ki ahmiyat hai. लोगों से बातों में जीतने में मेरे को कोई शौक नहीं है मेरे को असली में जीतना आता है और एन ओपिनियनेटेड यूनिकॉर्न हु डजंट शाई अवे फ्रॉम टेकिंग पॉट शॉट एट पीयर्स द चैलेंज विद पेटीएम आईपीओ बिकेम दैट इवन प्राइवेट सर्कल्स राइट देयर वाज अ लॉट ऑफ टॉक दैट देयर इज नॉट इनफ डिमांड एट द लेवल एट व्हिच द कंपनी वांट्स टू प्राइस द आईपीओ इज ही एन इन्वेस्टर हु इज लेस ऑफ एन एंजल एंड मोर ऑफ अ मोटर माउथ Are you uh, are you drunk sir are you drunk or simply a lonely founder who is now feeling cornered i have a right to nominate who sits as my nominee on the board and um, in the last month i have seen him operate as a puppet of the investors not as my nominee and therefore he doesn't enjoy my confidence if you operate in a manner and side with the investors Uh, you know when i need you the most then you don't enjoy my degree of confidence you don't have a spine and why should the puppet of investor be my nominee on the board will the real ashneed grover stand up please as more and more skeletons tumble out of bharat pay's closet and allegations of fraud related party transactions involving grover and his family members fly thick and fast in this open season it becomes even more pertinent for us to know who really is mr grover and why is the one poster boy of fintech so angry main bolta kam tu as an entrepreneur aaya hai ya tu apni company bechne aaya hai pehle to ye clear kar i have a right to nominate who sits as my nominee on the board We do know Grover and his wife Madhuri who surprise surprise was also the head of controls in the same company have both gone on indefinite leave as the board has undertaken multiple probes and audits the lines are clearly drawn it's Grover versus everyone and by that i mean his venture capital investors his board who seems to have had enough of him and now wants him out but can bharat pay survive without him and most important to fall the repercussions of all this on unity small finance bank its brand new joint venture with financial services firm centrum capital to build india's first truly digital bank we will get a ringside view in this episode from two of my colleagues who have been tracking this story and the company right from its inception in 
It's Tuesday, February 8th. From the Economic Times, I'm Arjit Barman and you're listening to Ashneer Grover Ko Gussa Kiyo Aata Hai on the Morning Brief. Anyone tracking the fintech space in India will tell you Grover has always been a lightning rod. Combative, pushy and aggressive. There is a heightened scrutiny now on the person's behavior and on a founder's behavior and the impact that that can potentially have not just within the company but externally. That's Tarush Bhalla, my colleague from Bangalore and our resident fintech expert. I mean, Digvijay and me wrote a few weeks back on just the toxicity of just the culture that kind of undertakes and also his dealings with people. But, you know, for reporters uh, like Digvijay and me, who've been covering Bharat Pay for years now and right from its inception, it's very clear that there have been multiple examples of him, you know, undertaking different efforts to not just kind of kill competition but also do it in a way which is not very tasteful. Like, I mean, if I have to kind of give you some incidents, there has been, a, a, you know, an open fight between Bharat Pay and Phone Pay. So there was a time, I think, uh, around, I think, two years back in 2020, when Bharat Pay did resort to, you know, predatory marketing, where they put up these flyers saying that, you know, Paytm is a Chinese company or PhonePay is an American company and they're all anti-national and Bharat Pay is an Indian company. So I think there have been incidents in the past where uh, the aggression is something that you can see. The, the bit about, you know, if you're coming in my way, I will kind of knock you off because you cannot come in my way. I think that kind of an attitude has always been there around the personality, I think, that we kind of speak about. This aggression and hunger for growth, said insiders and ex-employees I spoke to anonymously, had made the organizational culture toxic for many months now and its foundations shaky. People come and people go, some leaving even without spending a year in the organization. For example, in 2021 alone, we saw the departures of three of its early employees, all heading important verticals. Here is another bizarre nugget for you. One of the co-founders of Bharat Pay, Bhavik Koladia, who was also once its biggest shareholder, the man who as per Grapevine basically conceptualized everything, has had a previous conviction for credit card fraud in the US, but continues to remain involved in the company, building the tech and product despite selling down most of his shares to Grover and others. Even Bharat Pay's investors like Sequoia faced the brunt of Grover's ire. In short, this was a ticking bomb that was about to go off anytime. Let's ask Digvijay Mishra, also my colleague who knows both Grover and Bharat Pay well, what was really going on. A lot of, you know, the culture or how the company in general operates. Even regulators were getting upset. ET has reported about, you know, certain practices. So everyone kind of knew about everything, but no one really said anything because, you know, company was being able to raise uh, rounds after rounds. Valuation was increasing. So, you know, everyone was uh, sort of turning a blind eye. And as a matter of fact, I mean, even 
in in middle of whatever is happening we also reported about the altercation between ashneer and one of sequoia's managing directors now i mean it happened in 2020 it got resolved as well but that was a big red flag for any company right if a founder and an investor is locking horns like that this is something which needs to be placed on record and can't be just hush hush what you mentioned about bhavik whatever his past has been he still is one of the key guys in bharat pay because you talk to regulator you talk to any operational people they are all saying that bhavik is one of the critical guys so even if there are questions about you know what whatever happened in the us you have someone in the company who is also uh, very critical to the operation and that ticking bomb did go off right after new year in the most curious fashion early in january an anonymous twitter handle posted an audio clip from back in october of last year where grover was heard lashing out at his kotak mahindra bank relationship manager for failing to secure a loan meant to buy shares of nika during its ipo you one of the people involved in these audio conversations did try to reach out you know to us before putting the audio clip on social media and then we saw that you know it just suddenly the handle sort of put it on twitter and you know by evening people especially journalists started picking it up and you know even though it was initially just about you know people reacting to it but i think by day 2 it had be- it has started to take in its own shape because this was the first time we are seeing a prominent founder of a major fintech startup valued at close to 3 billion not just losing you know his cool but uh, not just that but you know very the hurling abuses in a in a in a way that that was shocking to even people who knew ashneer well i mean again disclaimer he continues to maintain that this is fake the abrasive ashneer was exposed for all forcing him to step down and go on leave within days finally the gloves were off the co-founder and managing director of bharat pay ashneer grover is taking a voluntary leave of absence from the company till the end of march this year the board did not spell out the reasons for this decision the move comes amid the controversy surrounding an alleged altercation between grover and a kotak employee which has ended up in a legal suit but before we move ahead it's important to understand what bharat pay really does and its secret sauce that led to its phenomenal growth within 4 years of existence bharat pay was actually one of the companies which tapped into these uh, this opportunity of you know upi wave that was happening i mean upi was growing like crazy and while peer to peer transactions were already well established it was just you know peer to merchant payments were getting expanded and companies like phone pay were also focusing in that area and bharat pay kind of came with that sole focus at that point in time that you know all we want is uh, merchants to be able to accept digital payments through upi no commission nothing and they went aggressive over it like really aggressive so that was how they started growing and uh, you know uh, as i said it was uh, synonymous with the growth of upi if you looked at any month's p2m data they will be one of the top platforms cornering some market share what's p2m p2m peer to merchant 
peer to merchant payments yeah so so that was it but i think ashneer's game plan uh, for bharat pay was always clear that it'll it'll be around lending which is what you see bharat pay right now the whole merchant focused businesses at a high scale but what they're what he's really focusing right now or at least before all this started was this consumer lending product called post pay so as dikvijay said even if at the core of bharat pay it's all about payments let me break it down here basically its qr code allows merchants to accept payments from apps like google pay phone pay or paytm that business works on wafer thin margins so grover had to add layers on top of that first point of sale or post machines and then a foray into lending i would personally say that bharat pay was never a digital payments company it was always a lending company right from the start right and payments was just a way of getting into it and we've seen that you know this is classic fintech models of the past where payments is something where today every big fintech that you know about of the 2011 and the 12s of the world has entered the ecosystem through payments and then added like financial services on top of it they were very sharp to say that we need to make money off the corpus that's flowing through our books and i think in some ways they were very kind of strong to do that now obviously they are opening up you know different avenues postpay being one of them which is a consumer lending product also that they're looking at loyalty through the acquisition of payback and loyalty based payments because now they kind of realize that you know they have a merchant base and they want to create an ecosystem to kind of hold the consumers also onto it and they were making money out of it right and that's the best part about it yeah. because digital payments is a sum zero game and you know that's been becoming even more clear over the years but this is here's a company which is making money out of it right and now you know i mean there is a brief part of their history in 20 in the late 2020s and the early 2021s where they were going into the market and very aggressively raising debt because they knew that lending is the end game that they want to kind of you know be in and create this juxtaposition of lending and payments right you you i lend to you because you are operating as a payment operator on on my network and that's the the flywheel that they they continue to kind of work on and present pos for them again was a very strong monetizable feature of renting and multiple other things that you can do with pos so they were constantly thinking of not setting up this infrastructure for a later monetizable date but how to immediately monetize what they're deploying into the markets so i think that was somewhere where they kind of had an edge bharat pay has grown its user base to 15 million merchants 3 and a half million of whom are considered active users versus say phone pay that claims to have an offline merchant coverage of 25 million stores but over a much longer period bharat pay also processes 16 billion dollars worth of transactions annually and on the back of that has disbursed close to 3000 crore rupees in loans but here's the catch the merchant had to keep the money locked up with bharat pay for 15 days unlike most payment processors who settle the merchant on the same day or 
within 24 hours. This was because Bharat Pay was looking to use that pool of money to lend to others through its P2P or Buy Now Pay Later product. But for the merchants, this meant cash flow was getting locked up. Until you already have a corpus in play, where you can kind of give these commitments of giving back the merchants at their due date of what their, their earnings have been. I mean, it can be a very difficult business. Like P2P, as we know, is a very, very difficult business where it continues to exist, right? We've seen it fraught with regulatory risks. We've seen it, the RBI not being comfortable with this, absolutely. So the, it, it, it is now veering into models where it would have to burn a lot of money. By interlinking payments, lending and P2P, Bharat Pay's business model was fraught with risks. Why? If merchants simply switched off the QR codes or POS devices, the lending business suffered. If P2P deposits faltered, the lending faltered as well. And what makes its P2P lending play doubly dangerous is the commitment to lender merchants that they can withdraw their investments whenever they want, putting extra pressure on the company to keep the merchant deposits coming in. It was just a matter of time RBI came calling. I think this was also reported that couple of banks, I think RBI had raised it with the banks and then the bank also raised it uh, with Bharat Pay. So that was definitely a, a, a matter of concern. Um, I think sometime it, it happened sometime in last year. Yeah. And even before that, it had sought an NBFC license that in 2020, which RBI rejected. Its P2P, its P2P joint ventures, I think also came under RBI's scrutiny, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but to be fair on the NBFC license part, uh, I will say that was, I mean, uh, that was not just a Bharat Pay problem. That was also because, you know, RBI was basically looking at uh, any of the fintechs with more than, uh, you know, 10% of shareholding for in a, any Mauritius-based investor. That was a red flag because Mauritius was still in the that grey FATF list and that was causing the concern. Even Bharat Pay's peer-to-peer lending got the regulator's goat. It's been in the scanner for some time, right? Like whether it's for the NBFC thing, now it's going for a JV with Centrum. So it has been under the RBI, you know, let's say, attention net. Because here's a company which is trying to kind of get at least certain licenses and stuff. So... I think so, yes. And I think generally P2P is an industry which doesn't seek or doesn't have the confidence of the regulator so much. Uh, Of course, there are P2P and BFC guidelines which are there. But, you know, if the guidelines are so clear, why haven't we seen more startups or more lenders come into this space? Grover knew it very well. And so he was desperate to get into banking to access cheap capital. And that chance fell on his lap when a cooperative bank, PMC, collapsed. 
the unfolding PMC bank scam where the CEO of the Punjab and Maharashtra Cooperative Bank confessed that a stunning 70% of the bank's loans had been routed to HDIL, a Mumbai-based real estate developer. Aside from violating banking risk limits and engaging in fraud, there's the additional challenge that HDIL is bankrupt, making it unlikely that the bank and its depositors can recover the money owed to them. Bharat Pay teamed up with Centrum, with whom it already had business links, and floated a joint venture, Unity Small Finance Bank, that took over the ailing PMC with a mission to create a digital bank. Many said this was a marriage of convenience and was doomed right from the start. It seems several of them are indeed having the last laugh. No, absolutely. And I think so that, you know, somewhere, I think even Centrum is facing the heat because of this. And, you know, while a lot of people and Ashneer himself says the fact that, you know, PMC and the entire Unity Bank merger did get a go ahead from the cabinet. But, you know, the other side of the story is that this is a very freaky situation, right? Like at one end, PMC has been, you know, non-working for months and months where depositors are asking back for their money. Here comes, you know, a JV, which could potentially save uh, the entire future of PMC. And then right as it is kind of launching into the market, this entire issue about, you know, Bharat Pay kind of explodes out of proportion. So I think that nobody actually has an option right now. And everyone's trying to figure out an option, but it's definitely the status quo is too big to kind of, you know, mess around with at present. And for the moment, everyone is on mission damage control. What's interesting to see is how like even Centrum is kind of putting its boat together because, you know, somewhere you see that that Centrum also wants to show for Unity that, you know, it has the best board and it has like very, very seasoned professionals there who have in the past run banks, run JVs, and now they're board members. So I think so that, you know, everyone in a certain way is cloaking up to ensure that there is no like long-standing reputational damage that can kind of uh, come to the entire fore. But a lot of premium that Bharat Pay enjoys today is predicated upon its part ownership in a bank, a highly, highly regulated industry. More than Centrum, I think like Bharat Pay is kind of swindling this entire license in front of the investors more than I think Centrum is, to be very honest. But I think Economic Times had also reported this earlier that the, that the license is on Centrum's name at the end of the day and Bharat Pay eventually has to exit this JV, right? So therefore, they have a limited time and window in the history of the company to kind of make an impact through whatever tools that they have access to. Therefore, you will hear things like, now I do not know where those plans stand because there are more burning issues at hand, but 2025, 2026 IPO, or like, you know, some other things that are coming in, you know, more SOPs for merchants, etc. So all these things is that it's a banking license that's kind of giving them the confidence to say these things. And they would definitely like to kind of get the, the bang on the buck to kind of ensure that there is that they, could, they, they kind of are in a more stable position after their uh, JV expires.
So in this game of high stakes as allegations of fraud involving Grover's family members come to light, in fact, they have actually been trickling in even before that audio clip surfaced this January, ever since the taxman started questioning about alleged fake invoices, ghost vendors, it's really become a public circus, thereby making Grover's future association with the company more and more untenable, even as both sides lawyer up. I would say that, you know, how things are panning out, whether it's the investigation, which kind of like, or the preliminary findings of the investigation, which talk about financial frauds coming in and financial frauds coming in from, you know, linked to, you know, the head of controls and also his wife, uh, Madhuri there. So I think so that that entire bit feels like, you know, there could be a cornering of him in the situation here. And that's exactly why I think that there is a need to control the narrative. But I don't know, to be honest, there could be maybe a thing where he could not be in the executive role, but could be a shareholder and, you know, his agreements might change. So I th- I'm sure that there is something that the boats and him are also working out on the sides to uh, while, I mean, the situation, at least what it looks like is that it's not so amiable. Correct. I mean, it also clearly shows that Ashneed is kind of, is on his own right now in this whole battle. So it is very important for him to come out and start talking about how he thinks, uh, about how he's seeing things from his perspective. Because as is evident from his letter to remove, seeking removal of Suhail Samir, CEO, it's also very clear that, you know, things aren't uh, that great uh, with, with the board members. My take. We don't know yet how the saga will end. As we have reported, Grover is also exploring cashing out of his company himself, but parallelly is also talking legal. But let's be honest about two things. First, this is not the first time that related party transactions involving family members of a startup founder has come to light. Similar allegations have plagued Ola, Food Panda, Flipkart before it was sold to Walmart, and many, many others. Controlling operations among a few people, usually from friends and family fraternity, is equally commonplace. Baiju's a classic example, one would say. But this is where the board and the venture capitalist needs to be held more accountable. Why were they not forceful enough to install processes and systems or professionalize the management? Why did the venture capitalists not do enough diligence before putting money into the company? Everybody wakes up post facto. The challenge is unlike listed companies where the laws are stricter, the scanner is tighter, that for the private universe is relatively lax, which allows this to keep happening again and again. Some get caught out, most do not. Overbearing regulations may choke these young companies, but when someone like a Bharat Pay dabbles into regulated space like financial services or their operations involve public money, shouldn't there be some checks and balances in place? For now, 
the border Bharat Pay is in capital preservation mode. But they must answer these questions, as do the regulators. You've been listening to Ashni Grover Kogusa Kyuata Hai on the morning brief with me, your host Arijit Barman. Thank you, Tarush and Digvijay. Deeply appreciate. This episode was produced by Nehal Chaliawala from ET and Soundarya Jayachandran from Awaz. Swati Joshi was a sound editor from Awaz. Executive producer, yours truly. I hope you enjoyed listening to the episode. Do send in your feedback to the morning brief at timesgroup.com and share the episode on your social media networks. The morning brief drops every Tuesday, Thursdays and Friday. Thank you. Goodbye and good luck. All clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits mentioned in description.